So I have this really annoying habit. First thing in the morning when I wake up, my mind seems to just become filled with all kinds of negative feedback that I've received about myself. Um, I mean, I certainly don't ruminate on every bit of criticism perceived or real that I've ever received or every disapproving look or um, sense of rejection, but there certainly are some heavy hitters that seem to compete for this honor. And sometimes I might be ruminating over something that just happened the day before, um, some kind of negative interaction I had with somebody I know, or I could have memory surfaced from 10, even 20 years ago. But the one common thread they seem to all have is this uh, seemingly purpose to shame me, to devalue me, to somehow make me not worthy of love and belonging. And I wonder if any of you experience something like that. Uh, if you wake up just kind of filled with negative thoughts about yourself or, or maybe for you, you're way too tired or, or rushed in the morning to have time to even form those kinds of coherent thoughts. Maybe the blows don't hit you until you get to work. Uh, maybe as soon as you enter that space, you immediately start comparing yourself to other people. Maybe it's in a meeting you have with your colleagues where you have a sense that the boss is favoring other people over you. Or you have a sense that some of your colleagues seem to connect in a way that they don't with you. Or maybe you feel this way at home. Maybe you have a sense that um, you just can't do anything right. You, uh, you just feel like you can never please your spouse or that your relationship with your kids is always challenging or difficult. Maybe you just feel like a, a failure uh, in your role in, in, in your home life or in your friendship circle. Or worse than feeling inadequate or, or insignificant, maybe you just walk around with a sense of feeling bad about yourself, that there's something just fundamentally wrong with you. Uh, you just can't shake this sense of condemnation or, or just some kind of um, a large-scale rejection. Uh, the sense that if, if, if the truth of who you are was really revealed, if the veil was lifted and people or even God saw what was below the surface, what you really think and what you really desire, that you would just be rejected right out of the gate. And I just wonder why are we so insecure? And the truth is we, we all need validation, don't we? I mean, that's part of being human. We need validators. We need to find a sense of who we are, um, what we're good at, what, we're, what our purpose is. We need some kind of feedback that lets us know we're okay, that we're safe, that we're loved, that we're wanted, that we're fully accepted for who we are. I mean, this need for validation comes the moment we come into the world. Screaming newborns, we immediately need our mother to pick us up and bring us close to her so that we can feel her skin and smell her and hear her voice. And immediately we relax with this sense that, oh, we're safe. There's somebody here who loves me, who accepts me, who's going to take care of me. And this doesn't go away. This need for security, for validation, for a sense of being cared for and loved and that we're okay continues through our life. And when we're young, we might try to form a sense of how we're doing around our family of origin, but eventually we began to find ourselves in our culture, in the cultural expectations that we grow up in. 
And this can be um, incredibly challenging for those of us who uh, have been brought up with a modern American culture. Um, I know in ancient cultures and traditional non-Western cultures, people were and people are being raised to find themselves in their role within a family or community. And so they find themselves as part of this greater thing. But here in America, in our modern culture, we're meant to find ourselves within ourselves. We're meant to discover who we are by looking in the mirror. We get our moral compass from what seems right to us. Uh, we need to self-validate, self-love, um, find our inner beauty, find our sense of being okay or being a basically good or decent person, whatever that might mean. And we are, this is an incredibly broken and unstable place to find ourselves. There was this really popular song that came out in the 80s, 1985 actually, when I was 12 years old. So I was um, in the midst of uh, major formational years um, by Whitney Houston called The Greatest Love of All. Some of you may be familiar with it. I'm not going to sing it for you because um, I won't torture you, but I'm just going to read you some of the lyrics because I think this song just reflects so well uh, the way that we are shaped and formed by the culture that we currently live in. She says, I believe the children are our future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Show them all the beauty they possess inside. Give them a sense of pride to make it easier. Let the children's laughter remind us how we used to be. Everybody's searching for a hero. People need someone to look up to. I never found anyone who fulfilled my needs. A lonely place to be. And so I learned to depend on me. I decided long ago never to walk in anyone's shadow. If I fail, if I succeed, at least I live as I believe. No matter what they take from me, they can't take away my dignity. Because the greatest love of all is happening to me. I found the greatest love of all inside of me. The greatest love of all is easy to achieve. Learning to love yourself is the greatest love of all. This is what is taught to our kids. Um, this, this is the music that we listen to. This is the belief of our current culture. And this is the culture that has shaped and formed our identity, our sense of self. And, uh, you know, what is our identity? When we think about this idea of our, our, our identity, I like uh, Tim Keller. He's a, a theologian. Um, his definition of identity, he says, identity consists of your fundamental core trust and the source of your value and worth. So your fundamental core truth is what you are living for. And the source of your value and worth is how you evaluate whether you are realizing what you live for. So in other words, your identity is based on you living for something. And then your self-worth is based on whether or not you are achieving it for the thing that you're living for. So like I said earlier, in, in traditional non-Western cultures, this you would find that within the role of your family or community, which is why for those of you familiar with like the Old Testament or ancient cultures, um, a woman would find her worth in being married and having lots of children, especially boys. And so women would just be beside themselves if they couldn't have a child because their whole sense of worth and identity was formed around being married and having children. But in our current culture, we're taught to live for ourselves 
and what we define to be our best life. Uh, Pastor Paul Vanderclay puts it this way, identity has also become in our culture the center of one's religious quest. Expressive individualism is all about finding the true me, the authentic me. Religion is seen as the journey of becoming the spiritual me, the unique me, the fundamental me, me as individual, me as chooser, me as definer of my own reality, me as creator, sustainer, definer, the older religious patterns of finding my place within a larger cosmos and community through moral living and dutiful service are replaced by finding my path to becoming my best self, my truest self, oh, to be as self-actualized as Oprah. And this pressure to self-actualize is actually heightened by the sense that our, our satisfaction emotionally is dependent on us actually fulfilling this idealized identity that we've created for ourselves. So if you fail to realize your dreams, then you're in trouble because your whole sense of, of worth and, and sense of self are based on those. Or sometimes even worse, you do fulfill your dreams and find that you're still not happy. You're still not satisfied. So how do we find ourselves? How do we discover who am I? So again, if our identity, as Tim Keller pointed out, is based on living for something, and then our self-worth is based on whether or not we are realizing that or achieving that, then the question we must ask ourselves is, what am I living for? And am I, and how am I doing living for that something? So if you're living for your kids, let's say, how is that going? Well, if your kids are thriving and doing well and, and love you and you have a great relationship with them, then you're feeling pretty good about yourself. But what happens when your kids are not thriving? What happens when they're going off the rails? What happens when there's conflict in your relationship with your kids? Well, then you feel like a failure. Or if you're living for your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your spouse and you end up breaking up, or you end up divorced, then you live with this sense of feeling utterly rejected, utterly unworthy in some way. If you live for your job, for your career, and you fail in some way, or you get fired, then you feel utterly insignificant, like you don't matter. Or let's say you live for the praise of others, that you get your affirmation by other people noticing you and affirming you and praising you for what you did, Maybe over this past year, because of isolation, you're not receiving a lot of praise or uh, affirmation from others. Maybe that makes you feel like a fraud. Or maybe you just live to be noticed, to receive attention from others. Maybe it doesn't necessarily have to even be praise. It's just attention and care from other people. And again, if you uh, haven't been receiving that in this past year, or maybe you struggle receiving it in general, you might just feel like you don't matter, that you don't have value. And so what I want to suggest to you today, what I want to challenge us today is what if you lived for God? What if that something that you lived for was God and that your ability to realize that or to achieve that was already achieved by Jesus? In other words, your identity 
needs to be received rather than achieved. What if instead of finding the greatest love of all inside of us by standing in front of the mirror and standing before the mirror to find that inner beauty, what if we found it standing before the throne? Look with me at 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 21. It says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And I really like the message version of this verse. It says, how you ask? In Christ, God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong, so we could be put right with God. So this idea of becoming the righteousness of God means that we are now in right relationship with God. We are put in right standing with God. There's nothing that comes between uh, God's love for us, that we are made whole in God's sight. So Jesus didn't actually become sinful. He was just legally treated as sinful. So in the same way, it doesn't mean that, um, that the moment that our lives are united with Christ, that we immediately uh, live a perfectly righteous life. But it does mean that God treats us as if we have done everything that Jesus has done. In the same way that Jesus was, took on on the cross everything that we had done, we receive back from him everything he accomplished on our behalf on the cross. So God treated Jesus as sinful so he could treat us as righteous. And so we are now living out of that right relationship with God, that right standing with God, the wholeness that comes from being made right for God. So in Christ, God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong so that we could be put right with God. So we live for God. He becomes our decisive validator. And our performance on realizing this is all based on Jesus' performance. Our achievement is found on what he achieved on the cross. And God looks at us over and over again and approves. J.R.R. Tolkien wrote, The praise of the praiseworthy is above all rewards. So in other words, when we need to be validated, it always feels best when we're validated by someone we really admire and look up to and adore. Have you ever received a compliment from somebody that you have always just thought was amazing and highly respected and, and loved that felt so good? Well, we have this validator in God. He says the praise of the praiseworthy is above all rewards. When the only one who is praiseworthy, when the only one who is fully whole, who loves perfectly, turns around and accepts and loves us fully. That is the fullest level of validation. That is the most stable validator you will ever have in this world. Any other validation that comes from our friends, our spouse, from our colleagues, from our boss can feel really good, but that cannot be our primary validator. It will always fail us. It will always let us down. If Whitney Houston said anything right in her song, it was that she never found anyone to fulfill her needs. And that is true. That apart from God, you won't find anyone to fully give you a sense of identity and purpose and value. And so we have access to the only 
stable, unwavering validator, the steady approval and pleasure of God found in Christ. He is our righteousness. So this has to be the foundation of our identity. And so uh, my challenge for you today is to find yourself not before the mirror, but before the throne of God. I opened this talk with this song from Whitney Houston that I think so well reflects uh, our cultural, our culture's sense of identity, and where we get our identity shaped and formed in this culture. And so I want to close with a song that I think reflects well and describes well the foundation for an identity formed in Christ. This song was actually written in 1863 um, by a Charity Smith, and it's been redone several times uh, in modern times, but I just want to read the lyrics to you. It's called Before the Throne of God Above. It says, Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. My name is graven on his hands. My name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. You are my Savior, you are my God, my King. The great unchangeable I am, the King of glory and of grace. One with himself, I cannot die. My soul is purchased by his blood. My life is hid with Christ on high, with Christ my Savior and my God. Who am I? I am graven on his hands. My name is written on his heart. I am hid with Christ on high. That is who I am. That is who you are as a follower of Jesus. And so over the next few weeks, I'm going to be unpacking this question of who am I? We're going to be looking at I am righteous. I am adopted. I am loved. I am enjoyed. We're going to be looking at all the ways that our identity, our true identity can be found in Christ. But this week, I want to give you one challenge. And that is, as soon as you get up in the morning, you need to start right out of the gate, filling your head and your heart with truth about who you are in Christ. And so I want to challenge you. We sent you a book. Hopefully you received it this weekend um, through Amazon. If you did not receive it, then email me and let me know, and I'll make sure to get you a copy. But we sent you a book by um, Henry Nowen that just has a daily meditation about who you are as the beloved. And they're very short. It'll take you five minutes or less to read through it. And just spend a few minutes before you pick up your iPhone and check your email or check your Facebook or your messages or whatever you do first thing in the morning. Uh, just pick up this book and just read whatever the meditation is for that day. And if you're listening to this and maybe you're not um, part of our church community, and so you don't have a copy of this book, uh, then I'd recommend just starting your day with some scripture. Uh, read over a psalm. Uh, maybe you're 
Maybe you might start a read through the Bible plan and you'll just read your scripture for that day. But start your day with some truth uh, before the, all the voices of the culture crash in on you for the day. Imagine what it would be like to live from a place of security, from a place of authenticity, a place of contentment, where you weren't constantly comparing yourself to others, where you could authentically love and accept other people for who they are because you are loved and accepted for who you are. This is the alternative existence that Jesus invites us into.